0: Ooh, is that a new purse?
1: Yeah, it just came from Nordstrom Rack. Oh, nice. It's so sparkly. I'm going to definitely keep this, though. I have no need for a sparkly gold evening bag.
0: Do you not, though? I feel like that's the sort of thing where in L.A., it would be very like, I'm going to wear jeans and a t-shirt, but then I'm going to wear like fucking awesome high heels and carry a sparkly gold purse.
1: Oh, sure. The thing is, not so much that I wouldn't do that. It's more that I already have, like, seven sparkly evening bags of one diaper or another. <laughs> all right. All, right. All right, all, right, all right, right. all right. Let me just really quickly try on these Adidas. Oh, my God. Seriously? <laughs> Hi, I'm Rebecca Cohen. And I'm Maya Grantz, And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. And tonight, (sighs) my friends, we're going to be drinking a lot of cocktails. Yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I'm already in one, which if you've been listening for a while, you know that I have a very low tolerance. I'm already drunk and I'm about to start my second cocktail, so.
1: So you are ready to get into today's topic which is the end of Roe v. Wade. Bye, bye, Roe v. Wade.
0: So basically, Rebecca and I were all ready to ruin Twitter for you guys tonight. I know. We were ready. We had. I thought it was going to be so fun. I was in such a good mood.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then,
0: as we are sitting there prepping and thinking about Twitter and how we're going to ruin it. Uh, I saw on Twitter, and Rebecca was told by her husband, that a draft opinion by the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked to the press. And it's like a big scoop for Politico. Good on him. We don't know who leaked it or why.
1: Um, The point is, it is a draft opinion written by Samuel Alito, Uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. Like, that's it. That's
0: what it is. That's what it is. And so we're like, wow, well, we can't talk about Twitter. Like, and you know, (laughs) we have done three episodes about abortion. We did an amazing two-parter, which I encourage you guys to go back and listen to about abortion in culture one of which uh, we did, and then we had amazing experts on who study this to talk about it. Uh, We did another episode just sort of catching up on where we were with uh, the abortion fight. And now Mm -hmm. uh, we are here to talk about the end of Roe, and uh, we're going to get into it. But first... But first... You know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how's the play? <laughs> like, what are you drinking? <laughs> how's it going? What's up?
1: Well, let's see. Other than the fact that the end is nigh, Jesus. I'm doing okay. I know, amid all of this, what listeners really want to know about is how my cat is doing. Yes. So I will not neglect to update you all. Uh, she's actually doing very well. She's doing great. It's been about two and a half weeks since her surgery, and she's pretty much as well as one could expect uh, to catch people up as briefly as possible. She had a very large tumor removed, and it involved removing some ribs and some muscle from her body. It was very involved surgery, but... She's walking around, she's talking, she's eating, she's really being herself, being very cuddly. Is she allowed to jump on things yet? No. So it is a matter of days until we bring her in to have her follow-up check where they will remove the stitches and things like that. And at that point, we expect we will be given the go-ahead to let her uh, move about the apartment freely without close supervision. Because it is like, it's kind of like having a, not an infant, but like a a baby, a a, a child that can move around enough to endanger itself. Like we either have to lock her in a little pen or watch her constantly. And um, she has to wear the cone or this soft plushy donut neck collar thing we've gotten her and she is damn tired of it. So looking forward to getting the go ahead that we can um, relieve her of those burdens.
0: And what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking. (laughs) I'm drinking Modelo. We had a bunch of friends over to cook out on the patio and lots of people brought beer. Lots of people left without all the beer getting finished. So we adopted a whole bunch of beer and we had this nice six pack of Modelo, which is actually hitting the spot right now. You
0: know, I was so close to drinking our leftovers. It was my daughter's sixth birthday and we had a birthday party. And of course we provide beer and white claw for the parents. The white claw is always the first thing to get drunk because everybody's, you know, watching the calories. Uh, so that's what I was going to do. But then I was like, you know what? God damn it. I want a cocktail. So I'm drinking a classic daiquiri with Meyer lemon juice from my neighbor's tree. Beautiful. Very, very good. Um, Any
1: particular kind of rum, or just whatever you happen to have?
0: A, a really nice, like Mount Gay, fancy varietal. Oh, great! And then, other than that, I don't know. I'm fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm whatever you were a few minutes ago. It's hard to remember now. I don't.
0: It's hard to remember. But also, you know, you will find it. I'm in pre-production for a video that I'm shooting. And right now, just trying to figure things out. Just thinking about certain homage shots that we're going to recreate, uh, and that's very exciting. Like, like the Evil Dead run, like the oh, the, the, that's that's, that's yeah. one of my favorite POV shots of all time. That's giving like yourself one of the some greatest.
1: logistical challenges. Yes,
0: I am giving myself logistical challenges. It's true. Um, but
1: uh, that's part of the fun, I would imagine. That,
0: I guess so. As part <laughs> of the fun or the torture? Who knows? Um, I mean, I wanted to like talk about all this fun stuff and fun input from our listeners who we love so much. and like they're so great. and the conversations well, let's on
1: share you can share one or two things quickly. I we get... don't and we don't have to be all downers. They're still I don't know. In the world. I'm kind of
0: I'm kind of all downers today. We had a really interesting feedback from our turf episode. and One of our listeners, one of our patrons on Patreon, was talking about how the turfdom of radical feminism is painful because it was an important stepping stone in her own journey of liberation and care uh, in terms of radical feminism and in terms of the radical feminism that she sort of came of age with as a feminist. And she says, it seems to me that those feminists would rather internalize the patriarchy they supposedly seek to destroy than sit in the awe-inspiring possibilities of multiple genders, and the spectrums our bodies and identities naturally occupy.
1: Mm.
0: And That is good. She also says something that I think is... Relevant, which is that uh, it does remind me that a lot of radical feminism is very white. Phyllis Chessler is a bit off the deep end in many ways, including and maybe most notably now in her extreme Islamophobia and her extreme Zionism. It's mm. a lot. So, yeah, there are amazing, amazing conversations happening. Everybody is telling us to watch Severance, which I have not watched yet. Uh, we are having awesome conversations on our Patreon and we hope that you would join us by becoming a patron
1: come to patreon.com slash sauce podcast you can see the different membership levels and um, we'd love to see you on the sauce speakeasy which is where we chat about all the good stuff and the bad stuff (laughs) we'd love to hear from you No, we're going to talk about this. So this is very spur of the moment. We literally at this point, half an hour ago, forty-five minutes ago, top half an hour ago, we heard and then read in Politico about this draft decision, this surprisingly leaked draft decision, because apparently that has never happened.
0: Not like not ever.
1: Alito joined by four other conservative justices. Appears to be voting to overrule Roe v. Wade or overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So, okay, we are in this moment and we are working through our reactions to this. It is not an official Supreme Court decision yet, to be clear. There will be an official court holding that will be published within the next two months, and it will probably not be this exact draft. This is a first draft of a decision, and apparently drafts get circulated. There's still opportunity even for justices to change their votes. No like official final vote from the justices has happened. So one never knows how this could really play out. But there is one way that it might play out that at this point seems very probable.
0: Yeah, and I see a lot of the feminist writers and activists and Gretchen Sisson, who was on our show, writes, uh, is there a word for not at all surprised and yet still somehow in shock? Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is right now, because our entire political lives, and I'm talking about Rebecca and myself, uh, have been the witnessing of the rise of the anti-abortion Movement. I think our political awareness, our coming into politics, our caring about politics. I remember for me, my earliest memory of what made me political was watching the march on Washington for abortion rights it when I was in sixth grade and watching Bella Abzug speak at the at the at the mall. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. So this debate and having Uh, various organizations like Planned Parenthood sending increasingly frustrated and anxious emails for like 20 years. Like, this is my adult political life.
1: I mean, I would say it's more than adult political if it's like our entire political lives. And we've had long political lives that stretch probably uh, further into our childhoods than is common. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for me... I can't say that it's like the first political thing I ever became aware of, but it was in the mix because the first time I really became aware of the two-party system and had any sense of that aspect of U.S. Mm. politics, had an Mm. opinion really about an election, that was 1988. Right. And um, it very much centered around the Democrats are for abortion rights and the Republicans are against it. The Republicans want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, I I remember we were supposed to do speeches. This was seventh or eighth grade. I don't know. We were supposed to do like controversial issue speeches or something. And every, I don't remember how controversial the others were, but mine was abortion. Yeah. And I don't think I knew at the time, I didn't even realize what a hot button issue it was. Right. Uh, I just did, I was like, I feel like this. And I did some reading on it right. and discovered the idea of pro-choice. Yep. And to me, this was genius. It's like, yep. that was the gist of my speech. It was like, are you pro-abortion or anti-abortion? Well, you're wrong either way. Cause right, it's about right, your right. Choice. choice. Yeah. yeah. Right. I thought that was very clever at the time. The point, the larger point being that, um, that, That issue very much crystallized for me what the two parties were about. And although I've learned much since then, and yes, of course, there are many other very important issues, but this one has always been, I don't want to say paramount, but had a very prime position. Well, also because abortion was itself
0: this concrete thing, and it's this stand-in for this other huge thing, which is just female bodily autonomy, which is like yes. being able to control reproduction, reproductive rights, being able to plan your parenthood. And abortion is the one, because it's about killing babies, that ends up mm-hmm. getting the most attention, but it's all very wrapped up in things like sex education and birth control And anything that's going to allow women to know how to manage this very important function of their bodies. And that's something that I feel like is part of the thing that's always been uh, really frustrating about it for me. I know that I have mentioned this when we talked about it before, there was this like, Pro life feminist organization that some fucking actress was a part of. And I went to their website and, like, was like, okay, fine. You're pro life. You know, you don't want abortions to happen, but you're a feminist. Where's the stuff pointing people to birth control? Like, it's nowhere. It's nowhere. It's nowhere. So it's like abortion is a stand in for women being able to control their relationship with this biological function, control their body yes. and control what that also means for them in terms of yeah. work and, and life and everything,
1: everything in their life. And exactly. And, and all people with uteruses, all people who yes, would be deemed that's women right. by that's those right. who would want to stop. Mission. That's right. Correct. Um, Correct. And, and yeah, like I think that that's, that's where this debate is not a debate because For those who are in favor of reproductive rights, in favor of abortion rights and abortion access and all of that, it's not about choice. Mm -mm. It's not not about any of that shit. It is about women's rights and people designated female at birth, our rights. And it's very difficult to argue for your rights. And how much more fundamental a right could there be than bodily autonomy? Mm-hmm. Like that is so fundamental. You we can't use someone's organs after they're dead without their consent, without that's their prior right. consent. That's right. right. A corpse has bodily autonomy, but a living woman does not.
0: And I think that that's the other side of it. Not being a debate is the fact that everything that science and medicine and economic studies and everything, everything, and studies on like sex education and the fact that when there's comprehensive sex education, abortion rates are the lowest they ever are. Like,
1: Or that no- Obamacare reduces abortion I mean, that's rates. That's right. Because oh. by
0: giving, yeah. And then, and I think what's interesting is we've watched sort of different, um, I, I mean, we've talked about this, but we've watched different trends In Mm -hmm. pro-lifeness and pro-choiceness. And we've watched the trends of anti-abortion activists where they try to find scientific reasons that are total bullshit. Like, we've watched all of these different arcs in the discourse for, like, at this point, for, like, 35 years, we have been Mm -hmm. actively engaged in the different ways that this has played out. But it is not a debate because at the end of the day, most Americans are pro-abortion. Most Americans are pro-birth control. Uh, Most Americans are pro-sex education. The vast majority. The
1: vast majority. And and in the end, it's not really a debate. Because one side of the debate is not operating in good faith with with us or with themselves. Because they are against women's and people designated female at births yeah. bodily autonomy. That yeah. is what they are against. They yeah. are for the controlling of women's bodies. Yes, yeah. correct. But they would never say that. They tell themselves and they tell everyone else that it is this uh, moral imperative. You could not possibly come up with a more righteous, more urgent moral imperative than saving innocent babies even and, though even
0: though once the babies are born there's right. no moral imperative to feed them house them clothe them educate, right. them, educate them nope care None for them that. so that they're not living in any kind of squalor there's nothing to support women and their education their ability to actually right. support those children and of course there's, there's no, no preventive wor- measures there's no, no of course. like no it,
1: no mm. there's no um for all their crisis pregnancy center shit, there's no actual resources for pregnant people in crisis uh, yeah. who don't know what to do. There's yeah. persuasion to try to get them to not do a certain thing. But where's the support? Where yeah. Where is the, yeah, education, the birth control? No, if they cared, if they really cared and they, they were really aiming to reduce the number of abortions that were happening, you would see them doing some of that shit, but they yeah. don't. No. They don't. So it it's never been a debate. And it's honestly, it's been interesting because I think part of it is perhaps that right when this was really revving up as an issue in the 80s is when we were becoming aware of the world mm-hmm. and aware of politics. And I did not know at the time that sort of like this hadn't always been a debate it just sort of this thing, this conflict, this controversy sort of always was always there. Right. But we've watched the contours of it change. Like you said, we've watched the language of it change. We've watched their tactics change. And it's like taken me a long time to get to the point of finally being able to say like, oh, this isn't actually about any of the things they say it's about. That's right. I have been arguing with someone who's having a completely different conversation. Yes. Because for them, it's not a debate. It's a culture war.
0: That is right. That is right. It's, it's a culture war. And it's a culture war where we have watched. That's the other thing is the trend of the response. Like, do mm. you remember? We talked about this a little bit about like the safe, legal and rare era. Right, of right. pro
1: choiceness Because what you've seen is the pro-abortion rights side try to continue. It's just like when you're being trolled online, um, and you don't realize you're being trolled. Like so you you're like, try... Oh, I'm gonna try to have this. Yeah, good faith I'm gonna or... have this conversation yeah, yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. like try different yeah. approaches and see if I could get you to understand
0: my That's point. Right. That point of view. If we could just so so okay, so I think now we have to talk about the fact that like actually. What we didn't realize was that this moment where it's a debate happened in our actual lifetime, like after we were born.
1: It it all started so much later than you might think it started. Yes, it did. (laughs) This debate that's not a debate, Mm -hmm. Uh, this culture war thing. So some things that uh, even I often forget roe v wade which was what 1973
0: 73
1: 73 so it'll be 50 years in january um roe v wade was a 7-2 decision 7-2 which is as a thing something i have rarely if ever even seen in my lifetime right yeah um and the um the justice who wrote who was it blackman Mhm who wrote the actual decision was a Nixon appointee. That's right. So to the extent that this term can even be applied to the Supreme Court, it was it was bipartisan in its way. God, it, it's really hard for me coming from the whole context we just discussed of our own lives and experiences of becoming aware of politics. It's really hard for me to even imagine a world where this quote-unquote debate wasn't already happening, where this controversy wasn't already happening, where people were genuinely, like, in good faith, being like, hmm, does the Constitution protect one's right? Right, right, (laughs) right. Like, there was no moral majority. There was no Jerry Falwell or Pat Robertson or whatever. There was no religious right, at least not in any sense the way we think of it
0: but we understand it, not at all, not at all. And and what happened, and one thing that I think has become a bigger part of the conversation in the past few years is that the rise of the anti-abortion movement was very much a, a mask for the segregationist movement, who at that moment politically couldn't be segregationist anymore. So they organized under the cover Of this anti-abortion movement. And there was a great article from Politico from six years ago um, that stated it wasn't until 1979, a full six years after Roe, that evangelical leaders uh, seized on abortion, not for moral reasons, but as a rallying cry to deny Jimmy Carter a second term. Why? Because the anti-abortion crusade was more palatable than the religious rights real motive, which was protecting segregated schools.
1: Yes. And listeners, we did talk about this. We touched Mm -hmm. on um, anti-abortion activism as a cover for or sort of like a a refuge for racists in those previous episodes we did. So... We'll link to those on the yes. Twitter and everything, and you should uh, definitely check them out if you haven't heard them, because you will you may find them relevant. <laughs> but also one of the things I found really interesting when I
0: glanced over that um, article again was the fact that evangelicals didn't really care about abortion. Like, no. they were like, that's a Catholic issue. Yeah. Like, they, they had no... Like, evangelicals were mainly disinterested. Mainly disinterested.
1: It, it wasn't like part of their theology that was already there. Uh, In fact, what you really saw was an era in the late 70s and early 80s when the GOP leadership saw an opportunity. They saw the New Deal Democrats sort of faltering, and they took this as an opportunity and created the idea of the Moral majority. And they created this coalition, this weird thing I've never understood. But
0: another part of that coalition, Mm -hmm. another part of the way that this became this very useful political wedge for the GOP was that not only was it a mask for, you know, protecting segregated schools, it was... This response to the rise of women's rights, not yes. just civil rights, women's exactly. civil rights. There, there was this giant explosion of divorce that happened. That has mm-hmm. actually since gone down because it was like everybody who wanted a divorce fucking got one in the seventies and eighties, <laughs> right? So there was this fear of the end of the family, the latchkey child. And, right. Women going this, to work. Women going to yeah. work. Women, oh having, control over women their having control. Women having control over their finances. Yes. Oh my
1: God. God. terrifying stuff. Yes. So you get the all of these organizations and movements around that and they are in coalition with like Rockefeller Republicans. Yeah. Like Republican because Party the small government Republican because Party. it's
0: somehow very useful and it's of, and of it, course it becomes this single issue the single issue voter votes for this and that allows the republican party to take that single issue voter wherever else wherever. they fucking exactly. want to go exactly. we can go to any kind of horrible foreign policy we can go to any kind of horrible economic policy i in you can every screw election the working class you can screw workers there's always the npr always has the article about the people who are like I just don't agree with any single thing about the Republican Party, but I'm pro-life. I have to vote Republican. It is like they can lead these people around anywhere, anywhere yeah. over this issue. And to have a single issue like that, a single issue leash like that, just became too useful to the Republican it's Party.
1: incredibly useful. And again, um, it, it follows from Nixon's Southern strategy. Mm-hmm. Nixon's Southern strategy being you had all of these racist Democrats in the South who, in the time of civil rights, were feeling abandoned by the Democratic Party. And mm-hmm. Nixon was like, opportunity. And right. he took that um, social conservatism, and specifically racism, yes. and adopted that into the Republican Party. And this is just like a continuation of that, more of that connection between racism and um Being anti-women's civil rights, as you put it. Yeah. And um, I recall through the 90s, especially, and into the Bush, the second Bush years. Yes. (laughs) The second iteration of Bush. um, The way that you would see them throw crumbs, give crumbs to their conservative, um, social conservative religious right base. Yes. Like... As soon as Reagan became president, he signed a, an order putting a gag law on all family planning clinics internationally that receive funding from the United States, yeah. meaning that they can't even talk about abortion to yeah. people who come there. they lose their funding. And then Clinton uh, lifted the gag order. And then right. as soon as Bush Jr. was in office the first day he's in office. He reinstated the gag order. And That's then Obama, right. like on his first day, lifted it. But yes. it's yes. this it's those sorts of things that like they're not overturning Roe. They're but right. they're giving little crumbs. They yeah. would pass these laws. Uh I don't remember when this was, but sometime in the aughts, the late-term abortion laws started happening. Yes. Where, like, you know, Congress was going to pass a law banning late-term abortions, but they always in those laws uh, refused to include like exceptions for the pregnant right. person's health, uh, right. exceptions for the pregnant person's life, knowing it would seem that the court would overturn those. Yes. So they were making these gestures and giving these crumbs That's to their right. people without ever really, I thought, taking major steps toward actually banning abortion. And you could argue that that's because they couldn't unless they controlled the Supreme Court. But I would argue that the efforts were what I would consider half hearted if I really cared about banning abortion. Like, if I put myself in the shoes of someone who's like, wow, this is the fucking Holocaust, millions of babies are being murdered after 40 years of pretty much nothing substantial happening, I might start but to suspect I disagree. that my I disagree party didn't care. Because I actually feel like they entrenched
0: themselves into state politics. I mean, in so many yeah. states in this country, abortion rights already pretty much don't exist. There's like one abortion clinic in like the entirety of Montana, Utah, and Wyoming. I mean, in in most well, states, there's one, there was one I mean I th- I think yeah. I told the story when I was working in rural Mississippi and I needed to get uh and I wanted to get an AIDS test and I didn't there was no Planned Parenthood in Mississippi so I called the one place I could find like the one uh uh clinic like, I yeah. could find and I was like can I come in and get an AIDS test and they were like we're an abortion clinic like they couldn't pro- <laughs> they were like we don't even provide and other, other services, services. Wow. like this wow. is the one thing we can do and this is what we do and I was like oh shit like wow. it was already so carved and whittled down and they've worked from the
1: state level to do that that's true and I think that that strategy that sort of more grassroots bottom up strategy yeah. it came later yes. in the larger scheme of things where the larger scheme is like mid 70s to now Um, You see in the last 10 to 20 years, this shift from the sort of lip service and crumbs to a more aggressive and more like local state level action. Because they've managed
0: to get their hooks in. I feel like they were very strategic. They were were very effectively strategic.
1: And what you also see in the last 10 years or so is the Mitch McConnell phenomenon. Yes. And that's really the key shift, I think, that brings us where we are today. Um, When in the 90s, when the Supreme Court, what was that? I don't remember the name of the case now. Webster, was it? I think so. The one where they um, carved out some exceptions to Roe. The Supreme Court gave states slightly more, like, broader freedom to restrict abortions. Mm Mm-hmm. And the backlash from pro choicers was huge. And I would think that the Republicans saw what that would mean uh, right. politically for them. If right. if Roe really were overturned, you would see this backlash. But then came this era, of like really starting with the Obama era. Like Merrick Garland, no. Just yeah. fuck you know, like yeah, they they that's right. They were gonna control that yeah, fucking that's court. That's right, that's right. And they're gonna control other, not just the Supreme Court, other levels of the court. We saw what they did during the Trump years with just rubber stamping Heritage Foundation yes. nominees left and right yes and discarding all of the traditional norms and procedures and and any sort of any kind of um. Even even gestures toward respect for institutions, institutionalism. Like, no, just out no. the fucking yeah, window. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. We want what we want. We're going to say this when it suits us. And then when it suits you, we're going to just fight against it. I mean, that was the whole thing about, like, Merrick Garland and then Amy, you know, Boney Carrot. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, we're going to do this right away, right away with this totally unpopular president. It didn't. Yeah. No, because matter.
1: they say whatever. Especially they say Mitch whatever. McConnell, he says whatever. The the justifications and rationalizations don't matter. It's the will to power that matters. That's what right. What I don't understand about it, okay, is how this actually works for them. I I could guess that Mitch McConnell's rationale, because I, Mitch McConnell does not give a shit about abortion. You no. know that, right? Uh, so I could guess that his rationale is. Uh, Owning the court advantages us in so many important ways that it doesn't matter what they do with Roe v. Wade. Like, let's just give that to those people. We've strung them along long enough. We've gotten what we can get out of them. Maybe that's what he thinks. But it's hard for me to see how this outcome, how the outcomes of this are going to favor Republicans. Now... This is a very crass way of looking at it, obviously. Right. I am looking at it from a political gamesmanship point of view. I am and, not- and
0: you're saying, so what you're saying is at the end of the day, it's so much more useful as a wedge issue that they don't actually get, as something that they want but don't get.
1: Exactly. That because- once they
0: get it, oh my God, it actually is really going to be bad for them.
1: Our entire lives, basically, the entire time we've been where our entire political lives, Republicans could say to a certain block of voters, "What are you going to do? Well, who else are you going to vote for? You're going to you're you going to let the you're going to vote for the abortionists, right? Right? Like, right. If you care about babies, you're going to vote for us. That's and right. And they, like you said, they were able to. They have been able to. Whatever serves their corporate overlords, they've been able to pass it off as somehow desirable to Mm -hmm. Americans because they care about abortion and stopping abortion. So now they won't have that. Like, let's assume that they do overturn Roe v. Wade, as this draft decision implies is going to happen.
0: Well, okay. so then the question is, like, who leaked it? You know what I mean? Because then it's like, is this a political moment? Because, you know, the the Dems are not looking good for the midterms. Is this like, hey, guys, hey, guys, we we told you, fucking get out there, vote for the Senate. Like, fuck. Like, is this This what's going
1: on? I have always said that the Republicans would never allow Roe v. Wade to be overturned. Because Mm. what happens when Roe v. Wade is overturned, of course, is not that abortion becomes illegal. Right. It's that uh, it goes to the states. Yes. And states that have Democratic legislatures are going to keep abortion rights. And states that have Republican legislatures are going to ban abortion. And then, then it really comes down to it. Then there are no voters who can say, well, I don't like Republicans' uh, uh, position on abortion. But I like their other stuff and right. nothing's going to happen to abortion. So it's fine. Right. Like I'm sure my parents, for example, probably right. think that way. Right. So, but, but now it comes down to the wire. <laughs> now it's yes. like, are you going to vote for abortion or not? That's right. it. You are voting for abortion right. or not. And people That's who right. have rested easy thinking that it's not really going to matter in the big picture, even though it increasingly and increasingly over the past several years has mattered and there are so many states that only have like one or two fucking clinics that perform abortions but like everywhere everyone is now mobilized right and i don't see that working well for republicans uh and meanwhile their base are less mobilized because you know they've gotten what they want cuz they've
0: gotten what they wanted you know what's amazing you know it's a thing that used to super exist that didn't exist anymore after Roe v. Wade was like what's... sort of like an accepted institution in the workings of American civic life were like places you would send your pregnant daughter to sort of disappear from life right. until she had the baby Gave it up for adoption and then came home. Like there were homes for pregnant girls, and it was like a thing. It was a thing that you had to provide, because right, there was right. that was those were no, your they're options. Not
1: gonna provide no one's going
0: to. No one's going to provide. No, gonna pro- no it's going to be a private business, and it's going to be a new private business. That's where you send like.
1: No, it's going to be a private business that secretly performs abortions for people who can afford it. Well.
0: That's true. I mean, there's the whole, like, people used to fly to Puerto Rico. That was, like, the whole thing.
1: (sighs) But as you mentioned earlier, the vast majority of people are in favor of abortion rights to some extent or another. The vast majority of people in the United States are in favor of birth control and all of these things. And you also have a very large electorate of people who can become pregnant. And I don't know, man just seems like when you when your actual bodily autonomy is on the line i don't know maybe that will uh take precedence over other considerations right so i just think it's very strange that republicans would work towards something so much that uh i think ultimately is disadvantageous to them politically and also doesn't fucking stop abortion Except, and I think we'll get into this in the next segment a little bit, but like people of means will go to a state where it's legal. Right. Well, and that's
0: somebody, somebody tweeted, Roe v. Wade wasn't the start of abortion. It was like the start of people not dying from abortions. Like the rate of right. abortions,
1: they were the same rate. They right, were the same. exactly. It's not, it's not actually going to reduce the number of abortions and you can't give a whole population of people a right like that. And then expect them to be like, oh, well, I guess it's illegal now. I guess I will just uh, have this pregnancy and um, birth this baby against my consent. Um, one last thing before we move on to the next segment. Yeah. There is a rumor. You mentioned the leak thing. And was, yeah. why, who leaked this? Why? Who
0: would leak this? Because it has literally never happened. Yeah.
1: Never happened. Like, they're, it's so shrouded in secrecy, what the Supreme Court is up to. All of their deliberations and all this yes. shit. So, you have a few options. One is that it's someone of a liberal bent who is like, hey, people, voters, you've got right. midterms coming up. Um, one of the theories, apparently one of the rumors, is that Kavanaugh is like kind of the potential swing vote. That he's leaning right now with this majority... And this draft opinion, but that he could be convinced to swing and that perhaps swaying public opinion could be a factor in helping him swing toward the dissenters, like away right. from uh, Alito's draft opinion here. Yeah, And I find that, um, I don't know, I guess as plausible as anything, like why not? Kavanaugh could be a swing voter. Um, but. I just think that would be kind of a fun irony if, if Kavanaugh actually did side uh, against the state of Mississippi and right. against this overturning I of don't Roe v. Wade. If he was the one, the swing vote that saved Roe v. Wade, come on, that'd be kind of fun I don't know. That'd be kind I of I don't weird. know
0: because the other idea is that they're just going to do this and then they'll just... Gut Roe v. Wade without overturning it. I mean, right. there's there's the other sort that's, of there's that's the my other
1: serious fear. Honestly, like it's very very bad if Roe v. Wade is over Roe v. Wade is overturned. But in some ways, I I feel that it might be worse if, let's say, this is to set people up, set everyone up to be like, oh no, they're gonna overturn the whole thing. Right. And then when the real decision is released, it guts Roe v. Wade. To the point of almost uselessness, without yes. actually overturning it, so that the public and the press will all say, "Oh, phew, we were upset over nothing." They never overturned Roe v. Wade, when in reality, it's essentially, to and will people would argue that eliminated. that's
0: already the case. That's yeah, already I mean, the case we're in almost, red states.
1: It's, in many states, we're pretty, pretty there. much there.
0: So then I feel such a such a passover question. Why is tonight not like all other nights? What is it about this movement that is not like other justice and rights movements?
1: The reproductive justice movement. I have observed this recently mm-hmm. and I can't put my finger on exactly what it is though I have a few suspicions. Okay. But just looking at the the reproductive justice movement And I guess looking at that as a piece of the larger women's rights movement, um, put that alongside other justice movements, gay rights and gay liberation, civil rights. And it does feel like one of these things is not like the others. Maybe that's an illusion, but you get the feeling, you get the impression that justice movements follow kind of a certain trajectory. They have historically, you know, when you look at uh, abolition to suffrage, to civil rights, to gay LGBT rights, it, like you, you start to develop this expectation of a certain trajectory. And it's not totally linear by any means. But there is a way in which uh, a shift happens culturally and politically. There comes to be some kind of like critical mass, some kind of shifting point where it becomes no longer tenable culturally and socially and politically to just be outright opposed to that justice movement. Right. To outright
0: be like... No man, no man anywhere, no Republican is going to be like, well, women shouldn't vote.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, they're pretty close. (laughs) There probably are some out there, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm not scouring the the depths of the <laughs> um, conservative media. Right. right. But generally speaking in polite society, I can't say that. And you also can't say right. like racist things. And right. nowadays you can't say homophobic things. Yeah. And yes, these ideas and these uh biases are still present. And there are a lot of places and
0: communities that we are not a part of where you still can say yes. totally homophobic uh, things. So 100%. let's be like, we are living a very privileged reality.
1: And you can say racist stuff. and Totally. If, in the places where you can't say it, those ideas are still present. And Absolutely. And the legacy of those ideas is still present in all of our institutions Absolutely. in every fucking Absolutely. way. Absolutely. It gets sublimated. All of that is true, but we allow ourselves to believe whether it's justified or not that you know the arc of history bends toward justice right that over time we will get to the point where it would be unthinkable to say that gay people shouldn't be able to marry right. each other that's like, right you know what i mean and, and and usually that's the that's the path things take well, but with reproductive- hold on, hold on.
0: That's the political liberal narrative that we were raised to believe. Okay. I think that that's, that's more precise. That That, that, that is Because part. I think that the thing that, that you're about to describe in the way that this is different, it's still correct, but it's not it, – that's what it is, is that when we were told these stories in school, even when they were myths – The myth is that the moral arc bends towards justice, and that at a certain point, some kind of class that has not been protected becomes protected, becomes acknowledged as a class that deserves rights. Their rights are acknowledged. We move on. And that there's this forward movement, not this backward movement. And that's the narrative. I'm not saying that that's true, but that's the
1: story. The moral arc bends toward justice. To be clear, does not have to mean that it's a, a, like a linear trajectory. It's Correct. Not, it's not <laughs> bending like in a consistent, perfect arc. No, right. But
0: that, but and that it tends over time. Trends
1: over time. Correct. Toward justice is what we want to believe. A- Absolutely. And there is reason. There is historical precedent for mm-hmm. thinking that that is largely true. Yeah. I think you and I would both agree that. What we see in justice movements is that initial wave of uh, tackling inequalities from a classically liberal perspective. Yes, and then once those very like clear and obvious problems, like you know slavery having to right. sit at the back of the bus once those are once we can all agree that those aren't going to be acceptable anymore then you get into the stickier and more difficult work that's right because you find that the issues go deeper and that you really need more than those kinds of reforms you you need more radical right but all of this to
0: say somehow that was not the case with this one Right. Somehow there's something different about this one, and there always has been.
1: Always has been. And you see it in, well, in the way that this major gain of 50 years ago yeah. is about to be lost. Like about yes. how, how many justice movements can you say that of? Like imagine if fifty years after Brown versus Board of Ed, it were overturned.
0: Right, and I think that one of the things that's really interesting about it, so one of the things you said is like resistance towards it only grew over time, and it's almost like they pass Roe v Wade and then they're like, oh wait a second, like <laughs> what is? Oh shit, we no, we don't want to do that. Like there's this way that the whole time you're stuck in this place where this whole time people can very openly and nakedly argue that this is a right that should not exist yes exactly that they that that it's they have no problem no shame in saying that this is a right that should not exist and there's no sense of like there are people whom you are offending by saying that there there's a class of people for whom this becomes a protection as a class there's yes. some way that that doesn't compete it doesn't
1: register it's well it's not part of the conversation it's not part of the discourse really no it's you will see feminists talking about it and it's there yes. like oh, this is a women's rights issue and all yes. of this but I don't know if it's that the right has so successfully shifted the terms of this debate into some kind of moral territory and that's what's done it. Or if it's something that's materially different about women's rights and the rights of people who can Mm -hmm. get pregnant as opposed to other classes, which can, which can and do include women, but also include men, cis men. And it's sort of like, if if your class includes cis men, okay. (laughs) Right. But um, if it doesn't, then maybe it's a different ballpark we're talking about. And that's
0: one of the things that I think is kind of because cis men's rights, even though they are, because cis men want their, you know, want women, want their sexual partners to have access to abortion. I mean,
1: fuck, come
0: on. They want access to abortion. But there's a way that Cis men can rest and have been able to rest in the like, you guys are overreacting.
1: This is not
0: going to be taken away from you. I can vote for Bernie. This is not really a problem. This is not an issue.
1: This mm-hmm. is not an issue. Right. Stop trying to force me to vote for that woman. Yeah, yeah. But her emails. But
0: her emails. Like, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's so
0: it's like it's amazing and I feel like that's contributed just as much to the idea that all of these carving away of reproductive rights that have been happening with clockwork consistency for almost as long as those rights have happened mm-hmm. that it's an that we are overreacting. That it's not real.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it is remarkable to me how, like, there are many ways in which women's rights have moved forward. But in this area of bodily autonomy for people who can become pregnant, Mm -hmm. it has been 40 years of defending, just Uh defending and giving ground and giving ground and giving ground as we just tried to defend the essential right. Yes. And you don't see that very often. Usually it's sort of like once a right is established, it's pretty hard to take away that right. And yeah. maybe in the long term, that is what we will find here.
0: Um which is why so much of it is about just like when a right is established, like once people have Obamacare, they want their fucking health care, man. It's going to be hard right. to take away. That's why they fight against it so hard. Exactly. So instead they just carve. They carve. Right. They And right. that's actually in terms of the civil rights movement, in terms of school desegregation. Like Brown versus Board has passed. We are living in a time when the schools are as segregated as they have ever fucking been <laughs> more
1: segregated than yeah ever fucking, but that's actually a very good point
0: but they do it by carving but not overturning the rule
1: yeah but
0: yeah. this was always the plan this was always always the plan and i'm actually reminded of like i remember when we went to spain this is like 10 years ago and you learn about muslim spain before mm-hmm for before Ferdinand and Isabella and how it was like this kind of secular multi-faith paradise of science and right books and yeah. learning Moorish, Spain. Yeah. and Moorish Spain was just like the shit man it was like the most culturally rich great time for medicine right. and like tolerant all of these kind of, of tolerant and then the like christians came in and just cut that shit down so like it can go backwards it can go backwards yes. like look we it all can... read
1: foundation right that's right we know we know it can go backwards and it does uh-huh i just think it's worth noting huh the, the way that i don't want to leave it at like women's rights are less accepted than other groups. Really? Uh, Even though that's
0: true? Even though that's true? Maybe true, true,
1: but I don't want to leave it at that. I don't want to leave it at that. I think rather the bigger point is that this right has been so successfully framed not as being an essential part of women's rights. Right. And um, it's really worth noting if you really think about it because what you are talking about is a very Pretty well defined class of people, mm-hmm. those who can get pregnant. Yeah, and a very fundamental, very basic, very essential right, and yet it's treated in the conversation in general, politically, in every way, as though it is a an abstract debate about ethics or morals or politics or principles. And not a justice movement.
0: Mm -hmm. This really brings me back to the, uh, to our, uh, our, our Gone with the Wind episode, actually. (laughs) Oh. Just because I feel like a huge part of that is the way that in narrative, women, it's like the white women who voted for Trump.
1: Yes, I knew you were going there. It's, it is. It, the, no, the, problem is, is. the, the problem, problem is white women. The, the problem, problem is white women. The problem is that white women are more racist than yeah. they are in favor of their own and fucking bodily autonomy. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like, that's.
0: A, let's bring it back to Scarlett O'Hara. And the problem is yeah. that so much of our culture production is based around producing culture that makes white women, and actually women in general, very invested in winning as what you're supposed to be in the patriarchy.
1: Yes, like within the framework within the framework that's of established a patriarchy. By patriarchy. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I would rather be a princess. I want to be a princess. Right. It's like the Bridgerton thing. Like I want to be a princess with a rich husband, and that's gonna solve everything, and then I'm gonna win.
1: Exactly. I would why rather would I win. Want, yeah. Why would I want feminism? I could have yeah. men hold open doors for me and shoot that's me. right. Like, that's yeah. right.
0: Like, and I, I feel like that's Where this is a different justice movement, because so much of this is white women who are either protecting their children from integrated schools, protect, like, this is so about that and feeling like they have a right to other women's bodies.
1: Yes, well, that's the thing. It is it some is.
0: Scarlett O'Hara shit. Yeah,
1: no, it's okay. It is Scarlett O'Hara shit, but um, it's also worth pointing out. I think in the, in that same vein that um, the racial and class implications don't just like haven't disappeared. It's not just that people were racist and then they funneled that or channeled that into anti abortionism. The Impact of this decision are going to be disproportionate based on race and class.
0: Yes. but And that's part of what this kind of freaky moment in the anti-choice movement where they started trying to get black uh, voters, black people right, to right, like, right. they were like, it is a black holocaust, oh, it's a race. It's a race. It, like like that's been one of the chapters Alito, of Alito this. Alito
1: says it in this fucking draft oh, decision. Oh my God. He has a part where he talks about how um black fetuses are disproportionately aborted. Yeah.
0: He also mentions that gay rights and and yeah sodomy are also rules that were and not sodomy laws. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So number one, the thing with white women is that they will be able to get their abortions. And, of course, yeah. I'm using white women as a stand-in for white middle upper class women. That's right. Obviously, there are many fucking poor white women who are going to be fucking fucked. Yeah. Um, who already
0: are. Who already are. Who are living in states where they already yeah, would have exactly. to, like, drive this 500 just, this miles. Is the
1: yeah. absolute nail in the coffin. Yeah. This is the... Uh, maybe your state's abortion law was, was uh, being held up in circuit courts. Well, not anymore. It's all going to be over. It's going to be over. Okay. So... Women of means, people of means who are seeking abortion f- for themselves, for their kids, whatever, they're they're going to be fine. It is the people who already had it difficult, the people who already don't have access to so many opportunities and, and so many of their own rights that now are really going to be impacted. And yes, also, this decision, as written, has currently drafted, is asserting that Roe v. Wade's whole rationale was incorrect. It's based on finding a right to privacy in the Constitution that is not explicitly stated. It's an implied right. Right. And if we are going to say that that was a mistake, if the court is going to say that that was a mistake and that uh, such a right doesn't exist, well, then... The um, court decision that said that states cannot ban sodomy, cannot ban gay sex, those decisions would also be uh, based on faulty logic, as would the court decision on gay marriage, court decisions on birth control, any things that we have rights to that have to do with sex and reproductive freedom, marriage. Uh, it's based on, uh, according to uh, Lido's draft, a a, a phantom right that doesn't exist in the constitution.
0: And you know, what's so frustrating is that even though this impacts rights that belong to men Mm
1: -hmm. or like
0: this will impact men's rights too, it won't be enforced in such a way that men feel that pinch on their rights. And I feel like that's something that again is so Hard about this, where it's like that kind of American, like, well, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. It's oh my god. But
1: that's the whole thing. That's why this has been able to happen. Because for over 30 years, Roe has existed and allowed people to feel like this doesn't none of this is really gonna affect me. Okay, so Mississippi has two abortion clinics. Okay, so that state makes you wait two weeks before you can get a fucking abortion. But the, I don't live there. Or if I do live there, I can go to the, another state. It doesn't affect me. And uh, it's going to continue not to affect a lot of people. But I think I, I'm, I'm going with you can't put the genie back in the bottle on this one. The baby boomers don't control politics as much as they used to do. There are a couple of younger generations. Like, the Zoomers are actually going to be able to vote. They're being able to vote. Right. Those are people who do not think of abortion as a a debatable right. Yeah. A maybe right. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, maybe... Maybe it's mobilizing, and uh, there will be some short-term tragedy, and uh, long-term things will turn out okay.
0: Well, listeners, uh, we are we are having a hard fucking night, man. This is a hard fucking night. This is like. A really really difficult one Um, and we would love to hear from you because we know that our listeners are having these thoughts too that our listeners are thinking about this talking about this dealing about this our listeners live all over the country our listeners aren't just on the coast, my people. They are all over this <laughs> fucking country. They are men. They are women. They are women, also in are, other
1: countries. They are all over the They're world. international. That's right. Yeah.
0: And so uh, we are here with you uh, as we're dealing with this. So be in touch with us. Email us. Find us on all the socials yeah. at Sauce Podcast. Uh, join our Patreon. Become a patron and join us on the Sauce Speakeasy
1: once again, that's patreon.com slash sauce podcast. And tell us what's going on in your state or your country and how you think this will impact
0: where you live. Or maybe you're going to tell us, look, it's been impacted us. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like exactly. this is, this is the, a nail in the coffin, but this is also we've already been dealing with this. Um, we want to hear from you.
1: If you want to reach me directly, I am at Gynostar on all the various platforms.
0: I am at Maya Garance. Anywhere you are looking for Maya Garances.
1: And if we give our email, you can email us, saucepodcast at gmail.com.
0: And uh, we will be back to ruin Twitter another day.
1: After we finish all of these
0: daiquiris and Modelo Especial. Oh, Jesus God. All right, friends. Stay safe out there.
1: Adios amigos.